one and we recording are in progress recording with the one and only jeff nyquist on saturday february 11th 2023 at 208 p.m eastern time and again doing the shows live i keep forgetting that i have to be punctual and i really don't like it um yeah i was just telling him the uh they hit record lows here in portland last i think a week ago today and uh I'm on the fifth floor, and I went down to the first floor, and there was probably three inches of water in the gym. The laundry room mm. was destroyed. Luckily, I have my own unit, but, yeah, the pipes, I think it got to 18 below without wind chill, and the pipes just Ooh. exploded. And uh, I kind of feel like, uh, it kind of felt like being on the Titanic. I'm on the upper deck, so I wasn't worried about it, but everyone in the bottom two floors was kind of screwed, so that sucked. But uh, with that cheery beginning, how are you doing, man? Mm. Wow. Amazing. Well, today we're going to talk about the inversion of blame in biological warfare. Yes, we are. And I'm going to shock everybody. I'm going to say we're headed for World War III. Uh, we are headed for a maybe the biggest calamity in human history and certainly the biggest loss of life in the history of man that we know of. Um, unless there's been a civilization, uh, a global civilization with 8 billion people before, and I don't think that's ever happened. Um, we are looking at something catastrophic. Um, why do I say this? I've been studying this for 35 years, and um, I think that the COVID-19 pandemic, which came out of China, whether it came out of the lab accidentally or on purpose, was an uh, engineered bioweapon. And when it got loose, we got plenty of evidence the Chinese allowed those planes. It was Chinese New Year's. It incubated in Wuhan just in time for New Year's, the biggest travel day in, in China, in Wuhan. And they all went out from the Chinese New Year. They let the planes go to Europe, to Australia, to America. But yet, if you look on the Internet, if you look at the work of people like David Martin or Sasha, brave Sasha, they call her, who talks about the Pfizer documents and Kuzan. Yeah. Yeah, Latipova. Um, you 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 hear a different narrative all over the conspiracy theory right. You hear this different narrative. The narrative is, and and Latipova is a good one to start with. She says, "Look, people ask me about Russia and China, but it's the Americans that want to kill everybody. It's it's DARPA, it's the Pentagon, it's you know the the CIA killed Kennedy. They did the coup in Ukraine. They want to kill humanity." There's something wrong with somebody who's been researching this for 35 years. That's an inversion of blame. Immersion of blame. Uh, what what stupid, what kind of bureaucrat working in the United States who's paid for his taxpayers is going to kill his own kill his own people who are financing him, destroy his own country? What is he going to do for a living? Is, is he going to live in a cave? Is he going to go back to the Stone Age then? If 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 that is it, that it's like, what does he get out of it? Why does he do it? it and then it's like, okay, so uh, Sasha says. You know, people ask her, she wrote this like more than a week ago. You know, people ask me about China and Russia. You know, the Chinese are just in it for the money. The Americans want to exterminate the planet, but the Chinese are in it for the money. That's an inversion of blame. Let me explain why. If you go back in history, what is biological warfare? It is perhaps the most deadly form of warfare, maybe more deadly than um, potentially than nuclear warfare. And we saw World War One. they had chemical warfare. Biological warfare is related to chemical warfare because we're talking about, you know, a virus is is, is like a toxic uh, element. It has sort of similar effects. 
you've got um you've got um there's a there's a book which people if they want to look at this it's like a primer it was written in the 1960s by general rothschild conspiracy people are going to have a a field day with that but um he was one of the top generals in our biowar pro program back in the 50s and 60s and the book is called tomorrow's weapons tomorrow's wars um and it's it's largely focused on biological and toxic weapons but he goes to nuclear weapons as well and he says look uh the american generals went in front of uh to president eisenhower and said in 1955 we have to make sure that our food supply our medicines our vaccines mm -hmm. are only controlled by us and that we have regulations in place that nobody can infiltrate those things and insert a toxin. Like we're going to give people a polio vaccine. We're going to make sure nobody gets in there. No foreign power can yeah. get in control of that process and poison us. Because if that's going into the arms of our children, they could, they could devastate our country. The Eisenhower administration didn't want it. The Republican party, the democratic party, because it, it's government regulation. It, it it the the pharma industry far, big pharma didn't want it. Um, we we can regulate ourselves. We can defend ourselves. We can see how well that's working out. By the way, right now, um, and and I just show you this. This is very interesting. You've probably heard of this book, Cause Unknown. I just had Ed Dad on last week. There you go, and you know he's he's good with trends, and I, I think he's right. Uh, you know, this is this guy made twelve billion dollars being right about looking at statistics and seeing what they mean. Yeah, you know, so but 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 as far as who who done it, it isn't DARPA, it isn't the Pentagon, it isn't all these dummies. Sasha has it backwards. The Chinese are in it to kill people. The Chinese strategists, Chinese communists, the Americans are in it for the money. And they don't even understand. They're too stupid to even understand what this is all about. And so what you have is you have, you know, biological and chemical warfare, World War I, World War II. People don't realize the, the country that tried to use biological weapons in World War II were the Russians on a mass scale on the Russian front. Um, uh, I think it was tularemia that they tried to give the German troops. They fired artillery shells laced with it. But it blew back on the Russians. German army is famously, Germans are famously fastidious of that generation. Evidently, there was no pandemic. They didn't notice anything, but the Russian troops got the illness, uh, not their Germans. So it kind of backfired on the Russians in World War II. So they did try to use biological weapons in World War II. Um, they're the only people we know. Now, there's claims, the Germans made the claim in World War II that we were putting typhus in their water supplies. But typhus, when you're when the blockade, the Allied blockade was starving people, typhus is sort of a normal thing when there's massive bombing and 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 your water sanitation and and other things break down and your 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 people are starving. Kind of inversion of blame. Didn't Germany want to drop Rinderpest on the U.S. and Europe? Well, yeah. The, the you know the the problem with World War II is that you you will find. Everybody was, Everybody in was really doing everything. Horrible schemes, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, you have this scale of immorality. You've got the the Japanese. Uh, you yeah, know, they did these long. horrible. They oh, by the way, I forgot the Japanese used biological warfare on the Chinese. Yeah, in the war. and American POWs, oh. Shiro Ishii. Yeah, they they did the the Japanese. The Russians weren't the only ones in World War II that used bio warfare. The ironic thing is, at one point in one of their main biological war centers. 
uh, they were trying to develop something new and they went in and everybody in the labs were dead. You know, the Japanese scientists killed themselves with whatever they were working on. That's one of the stories um, I, I I picked up on that. But um, and, and there were stories about Soviet scientists, the people that had the biggest. By the way, we under Richard Nixon in 1969, we got rid of our mm-hmm. offensive biological warfare program. And Nixon said, well, the, you know, nuclear weapons are good enough. We don't need these. And we we did retain in our labs. Uh, offensive weapons, but small amounts to test to develop defense. And by the way, we were allowed by treaty to develop non-lethal biological weapons. That's the that's the the hitch. So they've been working on things like uh, a bacteria that might uh, eat up the fuel out of a fuel tank, or okay. destroy tire rubber, or something like that. You know, I've read about these different kind of. So there are those kind of things going on. And there's all kinds of weird Frankenstein type things. But it was the Russians. You you may remember Ken Alabak. I think maybe you mentioned you oh, interviewed he's, him. He's been on here like 15 times. Alabak wrote BioPrepared. He tells a yep. grisly story of one of his colleagues oh, who yeah. nicked himself with uh, uh, yeah. What was his name? With Ebola and uh, died horribly, made, turned himself into an experiment, right? Is it Yuri? Uh yeah, I don't remember the name. And then they but... they took the strain that killed them, and they then uh, they then amplified and grew that because the one right. that killed the guy was more lethal than the 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 strain that came out of his corpse was more lethal than the one that killed him. Which I mean, you gotta wonder then, did they just well the it? Russians the uh, during the Cold War the Russians uh, stockpiled. Uh, hundreds of tons of anthrax, smallpox, and weaponized bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. From what I've read, the smallpox that they developed isn't your normal smallpox. It will kill you by blistering the inside of your intestines and you bleed out. Jesus. If you can imagine that. Yeah, pretty horrific. Yeah. And to show you how serious it is, back in the late 90s and the early years of this decade defecting North Korean soldiers were coming back with the antibodies. They had received the weaponized version of the smallpox vaccine. And in fact, in, it was, I think it was 2001, some children playing in a dumpster in Vladivostok came down with a kind of mild form of smallpox because they had thrown out the ampules from a night. So officials in Vladivostok were inoculating themselves with weaponized smallpox 22 years ago. In case, Why? in case shit ever hit the fan. Right? Which means Russia Russia has never is violated, you know, if if you say, you know, Joe Douglas, the late Joe Douglas wrote the book Why the Soviets Violate Arms Control Treaties, uh, they violate everything. It's like well Lenin said, uh PD's treaties are like pie crusts meant to be broken. Um so they they basically they never Russia never adhered to any of the biological warfare treaties and by the way, there's there's three. If you could think of another one, there's there's three main powers in the world that conducted genocidal war. Nazi Germany, famously against Jews and Slavs and Gypsies. Zyklon B, famously, was the thing they used in the death camps against the Jews and others. Uh, and and Hitler had this. There's in table talk about turning Moscow into a lake, exterminating the urban populations of Russia and and uh ukraine and uh turning them into like serfs that just work the land yeah. you know on the farms um this and the siege of leningrad hitler gave the cruel order we don't have any food to feed these people just wipe them out 
You know, if, if Leningrad had fallen, it, it was bad enough. They starved. A lot of people starved to death in Leningrad. Um, so Germany waged uh, a genocide of war, not against France and Britain in the U.S., but against the Jews and the Slav, you know, people further east. And um, the uh, then you had Moscow, uh, Russia, uh, Soviet Union waged genocidal war. You could say there was uh, genocidal things happened in the in the Russian Civil War, but really the Ukraine terror famine, and we have a war in Ukraine now. That was no joke. And I think I don't think it was seven million. I think it was eleven million, is maybe a more realistic number. Uh, and then you have what they did to the Volga Germans. Uh, look, uh, what the, they did to the Chechens, what they did to the uh, the peoples of Crimea, uh, the way Stalin loaded them into cattle cars and dumped them in Central Asia. Um, so uh, th this is a reality. And then you have Mao Zedong, the greatest mass murderer of, of them all. And and you have since uh, and even up to up, up to recent times, the Uyghurs, mm -hmm. you know, genocide in China ongoing modern day. The, the destruction of Tibetan uh, society and the Tibetans. Um, and, and so you really have to go back and and sort of exaggerate what happened in the Indian Wars, which people like to do. It was a terrible race war between whites and Indians that went on. And But uh, there wasn't uh, – there were people who wanted to wipe out the Indians. And you could go back and read Mark Twain saying Indians were fit for extermination. The great Mark Twain. Uh, there was this feeling, and Indians had the feeling back on the whites. In the uh, King Philip's War, according to one history historian, about a third of the white people in New England were exterminated by the Indians. So it, it was a two-way street. Just the Indians were outnumbered. And it was a shame because everything started out pretty good, but you have the clash of civilizations, right, or the clash of cultures. And when people realize, wait a minute, I don't want to change i don't want to become them well i think you just said a sentence that is applicable to all of time including yeah. most of the 20th century and especially right now in the 21st century is it's a two-way street but yep. x but x was outnumbered by y yes oh. that's it well the old the old saw that the side with the bigger battalions wins yeah you know None the american were... indians many of the american indian tribes had uh, incredible warrior traditions and were incredible warriors in that wilderness. They were really feared. They just didn't have the numbers, you know. Once, early on in the French and Indian Wars, they they could they could match. But once you got the 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 thirteen colonies got to be three million people, the Indians, there weren't three million Indians in all of North America at that time. Oh well, north of the Rio Grande, there wasn't. Um, so how could you? How could they possibly stop the the uh, what became the United States, they couldn't. Um, and, and this is the, these are the tragedies that history made, but American Indians, they're not, they haven't disappeared. And, um, you know, that, that whole, you know, you had presidents like U.S. Grant that, that basically was wanted, he said, we've been unfair to the Indians. We've broken all these treaties. He appointed an Indian to be in charge of the the what was it the the Indian Affairs the Bureau of Indian Affairs and he said let's set this right let's obey these treaties let's treat these people right um, and even Ulysses Grant with the best intentions of the world he was overcome you know he was kind of overcome by all these people that just hated Indians right and and of course um, 
this is a this is a thing in America. But that was the last Indian War was in the 1890s. You know, that was a long time ago. We're talking about the you know our government. We feel bad about those things. We want to make these things right. There's there's been there's been you could say there's been progress right in in our society, but in in Russia in China, there's no progress in China. The the totalitarian exterminationist um, ethic is still there, and I I will point you and all your viewers to a speech. I uh, the Epoch Times translated it. It was smuggled out of China about twenty years ago. It was a secret speech delivered by the Chinese Defense Minister Qi Haochen, and in this speech he was addressing high level party cadres. And he said, okay, this is our future plan. Uh, China can't grow indefinitely. We're going to hit the rails at some point, And we're going to have to attack the United States. Because we've got a Lebensraum problem. we got too many people. We've poisoned our air and water. We are, uh, we're going to collapse. If we collapse, the Chinese people will rise up against the Communist Party and they'll hang us all as criminals. How do we avoid that? We have to teach the Chinese people to go out, you know, I'm summarizing his speech. And what that means is we have to get new lands and make a second China in other lands to un- offload these 1.3 at the time billion people. Now 1.4 billion people, some say it's gone below, but whatever the number is, it's huge, right? It's just massive. And um, and he said that uh, the, pro- the big problem we have is that, let's say we wanna go take land from India or Southeast Asia, or Japan, or Australia, we're going to be opposed by the Americans. Americans are going to come to support whoever it is we try to take their land. So the Americans are a problem. Uh, so, But it turns out the best land in the world is in America. So just take the Americans out. So how do we take the Americans out? Right? This is biological war. This is in his speech, Chiao Chen. And by the way, I spoke with one of the colonels that worked in the Pentagon who translated the speech for the U.S. military. And he said that I said, did you, were you able to determine that it was Chiao Chen? He said, Mandarin is a very special language and your speech pattern is like a footprint. Okay. And he said, we determined it was Chiao Chen. It was the defense minister to deliver the speech. So, uh, and, and so what he said is we need to kill 100 to 200 million Americans with a biological weapon, and we have to do it in a way that they will not know we did it. That is, in other words, it's like a Columbo episode. Guy, rich guy, kills his wife. You know, she's about to divorce him and take him for all he has. So, but he's got to have an alibi. Yeah. And he's got to be able to put the blame on somebody else. And so you got every Columbo episode. It's, it's the same story. So what you have is you have motive and opportunity. Chiao Chen's speech lays it out. And the Chinese, just before Chiao Chen's speech, they were getting into big pharma. They were starting to do the pharma thing, right? Well, why? Why were they all wanting to go sign up and go to Emory and then get into the CDC? How come all these Chinese nationals come flooding into our country like this and into our labs, right? And then you find out how what, what percentage of the people that work in our government labs are Chinese nationals. And you go, Somebody should have been watching that. You go back to General Rothschilds, if he's rolling over in his grave because all these generals who were up on this years ago said, oh, no, 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 you don't allow that. Oh, the Chinese are our partners. 
they're our friends and we can make a lot of money working with the Chinese because their labor is cheaper. They can make everything cheaper. We can make big bucks. See how it works. See how they can get in the door. General Spaulding uses that argument. We we are so it has served us well, but somebody is you know they're using the the red flag in front of the bull. They're going Americans only care about money. You got to hit right. them on the one quarter, two quarter, two three month timelines. They don't think in decades. Yeah. And so cap capitalism is our strength, but it's our weakness. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone famous once said, "Man does not live by bread alone." Right. So we think about the bread alone. We don't think about the security. We don't think about we're, we're partnering up with mass murderers who are killing the Uyghurs, who are killing the Tibetans, who who that Communist Party of China killed more Chinese than anybody. I mean, Mao killed, according to the Guinea's Book of World Records, 60 million, you know, but it's more than that, I think. And just like Stalin killed 30 million in the Soviet Union. These are genocidal maniacs. The the There's look. You you go back to Karl Marx and his partner, Friedrich Engels. They wrote the Communist Manifesto. In Engels' writing, you will find Engels says at one point, our future revolution is going to see the eradication of entire races and classes of people. So they, the, the communist literature is openly admits that they're genocidal. Yeah, they don't, they don't shy from that. No, they don't. And and so so now, so they're going back to Sasha and going back to uh, David Martin. Uh, it's we 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 really know a lot about the corruption in our own country, and there's bad people. There's bad people everywhere, right? But of course, these are bad people that made that microphone, that arranged all the nice things, all the standard of living we had come from these bad people, pursuing the almighty do- dollar. You know, I mean, what was Adam Smith didn't quite say, but greed is good, right? Because it motivates people to do things, really difficult things that that rises standard of living for everybody. Or like John F. Kennedy said, a rising tide lifts all boats. You start creating this wealth, or as the Democrats mocked it in the 80s, trickle down economics, right? But it's true. It does trickle down. If you, the countries that have the most billionaires are the countries where the people down at the bottom live the best. Yeah. It's just, and it doesn't matter if there's, there's a huge disparity. Yeah, but the people at the bottom are living better than the people at the bottom anywhere else. The fat people or the poor people in America are morbidly Are fat. <laughs> They're fat. Yeah. <laughs> poor people were the poor people. You know, it's like, 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 woe be gone, like Garrison Keillor, you know, like, woe be gone is where although men are good looking, the women are strong and all the children are above average and all the poor people are fat, right? We could yeah. just add that on yeah. uh, to it. Um, but, um, but so so you have we have already in place, you know, if the if the conquistadors were genocidal or, you know, destroyed the Indian cultures and the Catholic Church did what it did in Peru and Mexico destroyed the culture of the of the Mexican people and the and the Peruvian, you know, the Incas and the Aztecs, um, that was that was then. That was five hundred years ago, right? Cortez and Pizarro. That was, and then whatever happened in the Indian Wars in North America, a little different, smaller in scale because there weren't as many Indians in above the Rio Grande as there was in Mexico and Peru. But you, you, you get the idea. That was then. People were we we were fighting in in Europe. Catholics and Protestants were murdering each other. Look at the Thirty Years' War. We were we we come out of a very violent, overcrowded, you know, Europe. Come out of the dark ages, dark ages. What do what do we? What, we're suddenly enlightened. We come out of it. No, it was it was the dark ages. It was the Middle Ages. It was all these wars, and it it and we came out of it. We weren't perfect, 
what are we going to expect to be? But what you got is you have something. Okay, so we're becoming more enlightened, more advanced. But you look at this thing in Russia and China and this communism that only looks at the bad things in our heritage and wants a revolution, wants to destroy it, wants to make a more perfect world. So where are all the crimes? The three ideologies or the two ideologies that were opposing our civilization, national socialism and communism, since World War I have done most of the killing. And so it isn't American imperialism is the big bad meanie. We got bad people. They do bad things. We, we got stupid stuff. We get people hurting other people. But it's not, it's not attached. There's not actually a plan. They have a plan. Now I'm going to go to another defector. There's a defector named um, Anatoly Galitsyn. He's a KGB major. He worked in counterintelligence. He defected uh, in in December of 1961. And he said, look, they, uh, they have a long-range plan. Uh, Alexander Shalepin, the head of the KGB, was reorganizing the KGB to carry out a massive long-range deception strategy that would go to the year 2000. And that the deception strategy would be a fake split between Russia and China to get the West to rush in and, and build up China. And then the other part of it was a false, a controlled liberalization of the Soviet bloc that would cause the West to disarm. Mm. And then Russia and China would emerge after that as one clenched fist and smash the West. And he wrote a book in 1984. He worked on this from the from his time of his defection with, especially with the counterintelligence staff of James Angleton at the CIA. He worked on this in 84. His book New Lies for Old. Mark Riebling of the Hudson Institute went through the 148 falsifiable predictions, of which by 1994 139 had come true. That's 93, almost 94 percent accuracy of predictions, like. He, in 1984, he said the next Soviet leader will be a uh, a, a Soviet Dubček, a liberalizing communist. He wrote that before anybody knew Gorbachev was going to be the guy. Um, he said they are going to reform – the Soviet Union is going to become a democracy with uh, with checks and balances, and but it's all going to be controlled. The Communist Party will go underground and control the whole thing, he said. And he said, and they're not going to give up their nuclear weapons. They're going to trick you. Well, they didn't. We haven't built a nuclear weapon since 92. We haven't even tested one since then. They've held their secret underground tests. And the Chinese, and they could test their weapons in China and North Korea where underground tests are going on. So Russia has built new nuclear weapons. China's building them. Now we find out China has more ICBM launchers than we do. Notice how the balance of power has massively shifted, and this is what Galitzin predicts in his in the final phase uh, chapters in his book. In a chapter in his book, he says, "If the West believes believes the changes in Russia, and he's writing this in '84, if you, they believe the changes in Russia are real, and they they actually base their policy on it, they will be psychologically disarmed and literally disarmed, and we have been, and." And it's funny, when all this was taking place in the 90s, a series of books came out about Galitzin and Angleton saying they were crazy people. Like Thomas Mangold's book, Cold Warrior, Galitzin was was determined by the CIA to be clinically insane. He was clinically paranoid. So was Angleton. And so they, they just – they smeared these guys 
when all this was going on, when people were going, wait a minute, this guy's predictions are coming true now. What, what about this? Certain conservatives tried to raise this issue and they were attacked by who? By William F. Buckley, by the conservative establishment because they wanted to claim victory in the Cold War. Mm. And we never realized how much on the right was infiltrated by the Russians. They're masters of the control. The fact is, is that you cannot, Glitzen could not have gotten a 94, and by the way, it's above 95% accuracy because his predictions about one clenched fist are coming true now. So that's 140 of 148. There's probably other ones in there he's predicted. His second book was called The Perestroika Deception, in which he predicted the uh, Putin before Putin appeared on the scene. That book was written in 96. Putin appeared in, you know, became prime minister in 99. So, uh, you know, not naming him, but explaining the character of the next leader of the Russian Federation. So, you know, you know, uh, if you know the strategy, the long range strategy of a country and you're studying it like Galitsyn was and with uh, with help from, uh, you know, former CIA analysts, you can make accurate predictions because if you know a chess game, you know the opening, you know the moves. And you know where the game is going to go and you know these are expert chess players and you've studied this and you're, wow, is this, is this opening going to work now? Can he make it work different? Well, the thing is, is this is a chess game in which our side is not even playing. Yeah, We won. Why do we need to play? Now look at where we are. You got, you got, this, you, you got this Air Force general who got, I guess he got slapped on the wrist for saying that we're going to be at war with China by 2025. Uh, uh, Robert Spaulding? No, no, it's uh, it's it's a it's a another he's a uh, current general, not a retired general, the, an active uh, duty general. The guy I had on, uh, General Robert Spaulding, in summer 2020, is actually coming on again in two weeks. Um, he was on Obama's National Security Council. He was a B two Spirit pilot, and he was removed from the National Security Council for pointing out China's uh, monopoly on giving five G networks to third world nations in the Belt and Road Initiative. He was spanked. Mm-hmm. Called yep. him a xenophobe. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. They have they have developed this language for dis. One of the things Galitsyn wrote is he said one of the effects that was to be made. The Russians knew they. I mean, giving up East Germany, giving up all these East European countries, which were really worthless to them anyway, because mm-hmm. the people didn't like the system, and and so they they give up all these countries that are fairly worthless to them as a as a sort of a poison pawn, and the idea was that that. Our vigilance would be we wouldn't be worried about communism anymore. If you get rid of communism, you end up getting rid of anti-communists. Yeah. Oh, there's no communists anymore. You know, you're living in the Cold War. You know, I hear that all the time. It's like, um, you know about Antifa, right? Yeah. You know that the that that uh, Vladimir Putin is helping Daniel Ortega, and the the the, the Cuban legislature. Uh, twice over the past year voted thanks to Russia for helping them. You know, and and there are Russian troops in Venezuela, communist Venezuela. I mean, Nicolas Maduro is a communist. Hugo Chavez was a communist. I, I spoke to his chief of air staff. He said, when I interviewed him, I said, I said, Chavez is a communist? He's supposed to be a left-wing populist. No, he's a communist. I worked for him. He's a communist. I go, well, it doesn't say that in any of the magazines. And he says, he is a communist. He went, I, I flew him to China and he, he, he goes up to the Chinese leaders. He says, I'm a Maoist. I'm <laughs> on your side. It's like, so there's Chinese troops in, in there too. And, and then you have, see, the thing is, is that people, okay, so, so what was this biological attack? This 
virus. I've had a number of sources, um, the, the famously the, the Hong Kong businessman, um, uh, speaking before the Committee on the Present Danger of China a year ago, May, said that his contacts in Beijing said that they have decided on a war against the United States and they're preparing for it. Uh, last year, uh, we have uh, Mr. Wang of Luda Media, a former People's Liberation Army communications officer, uh, got a hold of a 57-minute tape, joint military-civil um, meeting in Guangdong on May 14th of last year in which they discussed following the order to mobilization order for war that was given by the uh, the CCP leadership in April of last year. Hmm. And it involved retrofitting nearly a thousand ships to carry troops. Hmm. Retrofitting Roro ships. They had to, they were going to retrofit. What was the number now? It was, um, uh, it was a large number of like 50, 60,000 ton row row ships. Row row ships are roll on, roll off, retrofit them to carry tanks and APCs and self-propelled artillery. Gotcha. Now, the thing is, is if you do the math about how many vehicles that is, you couldn't as, as if you turned those vehicles into brigades and divisions, you couldn't fit them militarily into Taiwan. Jeez. You're talking about a force for invading a continent. And what's really interesting to me, there's a there's a uh, commentator in Mexico. He's of Swedish nationality, and and he has he gathers all this uh, information from contractors and business people in Mexico. The Chinese had a highway built from Ensenada up through Baja and to, in, up up to connect it to San Diego, and the contractors were told, "Yeah, we're we're building this highway for a future invasion of the United States." Jeez. Now, the defector, Colonel Stanislav Luna, if I knew him, he spoke Mandarin. He worked in China before he defected. And he told me that that at the end of the Cold War, when the Russian Federation was forming, he attended a meeting of the general staff, and they said, the nuclear war plan against America is still on. Only we're only going to invade Alaska and parts of Canada. The Chinese are going to invade the lower 48 states with other countries invited in for looting rights. This is what he was told in early 92. And they said, um, we have the missile power, the Chinese have the manpower, well, the Chinese will have the missile power too. And they said, uh, and I said, well, how, how could they possibly perform an invasion, Yeah, uh, continent size invasion? Well, first of all, if you count the, they've taken over Hong Kong, the Hong Kong and the Chinese merchant marine combined, it's larger than our merchant marine. It's the largest merchant marine in the history of the world. It could, if we could support army groups in Europe in World War II, they certainly could support them in World War III. Then you say, well, what about the U.S. Navy? Well, you've, imagine Pearl Harbor with nuclear weapons. How long is the U.S. Navy going to last? Yeah. Right? Why did they develop hypersonic missiles? Because you can't intercept it. And it's it's basically meant to destroy carrier battle groups and, and yeah. ships in Car port. Carrier killers, the, the Dong Fan yeah. 14. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and of course... Um, uh, there's the question of the long range. The, the the Chinese developed famously several years ago a long range amphibious transport. Now here, they are supposedly all focused on Taiwan. Right? Uh. So why do you develop a long range amphibious transport when the place you're invading is just across the straits from you? Yeah. And that... by the way, the range of that, if it's a one way trip, it can it can go all the way 
to the west coast in one that's like us trip. prepping a d-day invasion of iceland during world war ii and well, germany and, being like why are they prepping for iceland and it's like they're not right yeah, not, yeah and, that's well that obviously we, we didn't do that but just as a, well as a, as a, as a, yeah um you know and it's it's easier to launch an invasion across a small body of water like we did invading sicily and invading italy invading at normandy uh but in the pacific we did much longer range invasions um but the um but the interesting thing about the chinese uh what what lunov said is they said well how could you pull off an invasion of a continent like he said uh hitler's invasion of norway in 1940 is the model yeah and I, I, I see, he said the Brandenburg Regiment. And I said, well, what was that? Well, that was controlled by the Abwehr. It was a regiment that they broke into groups. What they do is they went into Norway as tourists or yeah. businessmen. They had warehouses where they had the uniforms and weapons, and they would grab them. They would then seize port facilities and airfields so the German troops could just fly in, and they would fly in on commercial aircraft and commercial ships. Uh, there's a great book about that called, uh, I think, it, The Winter Fortress by Neil, I can't remember his last name, uh, mm -hmm. but it's about North Kidro, the the heavy water plant, and they go into kind of, not super in-depth, but yeah, no, the invasion and kind of all the... All the, the invasion of Norway, it was ingenious, in fact, yeah. um, I try to remember the name of the German general, it was Hitler... Uh, you know, found this guy, and the guy just went to a some kind of tourist, uh, some, some kind of travel agency, got a map of Norway, <laughs> and he thought it up in his head. He said, "Wait a minute, we could do it this way." And they they would sit there with a with a with a watch, and they would let one ship load of soldiers go, and they would count the time, and then the next ship. So no, there was no fleet. Yeah. There's only individual ships here and there on the ocean, and they sail right past the British Navy. The British had this greatest navy in the world, you know, yeah, huge navy, and they controlled the North Sea, and yet the Germans were able to get to Narvik, if you could think about this, all along. And the, the British Navy was there laying mines, beginning to lay mines along the Norwegian coast when this German invasion took place. So it was like a stealth invasion, and they were they were at – they were a peaceful trading partner of Norway at the time they did the invasion. Now there was there was the violent part. They they tried to force their way, way up uh, Oslo Fjord, and they had the Norwegians had guns there. And uh, one that, of the I think yeah, one of the German that, cruisers got sunk there. Yeah, that, there's that great movie scene. I don't know if you ever seen. I've never watched the whole movie, but there's a great clip on on YouTube of like yeah the ship coming in and the lighthouse spots it and they get the old World War. The old, yeah, the old World War One guns up, and they're like, "Do we yeah. fire a warning shot?" And he's like, "No, kill shot. It's badass." Yeah, they they did. The Germans took some losses. The Germans Navy took a bunch of lot. They lost a lot of destroyers uh, in their navy. There was uh, famously there was one of Hitler's chauffeurs was a Navy guy, and he was bad with the girls, and Hitler didn't like that, so Hitler sent him back to the Navy. Uh, <laughs> the guy was on ten. How many was it? Uh, several destroyers that he was on sank. He kept living. He survived. He kept living. He survived the sinking of several destroyers in the Norway campaign. So Hitler, Hitler's joke was Hitler took him back as a chauffeur and said, uh, "Good luck, charm." No, no. He said, "He said I, I have to get you out of the navy. You keep sinking my destroyers." <laughs> that's that's, right? that's brilliant. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But um, but anyway, the, the the whole Norway thing was uh, it 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 was um. 
uh, absolutely brilliant operation. The, the German generals and admirals, they had this uh, intellectual refinement in their strategies. And they really had some sophisticated ideas. As as this this European country achieved militarily some things that were considered impossible in World War II to achieve. Of course, they lost the war because they were they were just simply Germany didn't have the economy. They thought they could just do it on military genius alone, but they couldn't. Um, but there's a lot to learn there. And what uh, Lunev told me was that the Russian, the Soviet general staff was fascinated by that invasion, that that was always the model. Because if you can infiltrate the United States ahead of time, first you infiltrate Mexico and Canada, of course. Mm -hmm. And we know all, uh, we know about Mexico. You know, I had a one of my Brazilian journalist friends was fleeing because they were trying to kill him in Brazil. And he called me from Mexico and he said, there's Chinese all over this place. He was telling me, I go, really? Yeah. Um, and and then you have you you have the problem in Canada. There was a report in 1997 called um, the Sidewinder Report. It was a joint report of the Canadian Intelligence Service and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police on Chinese infiltration of Canada in 1997. They, they discovered that um, China was using the triads, Chinese organized crime, and of course the diaspora from Hong Kong and as a commonwealth where they were coming into British Columbia, but they were they were becoming citizens of in those days you had to be a citizen of Canada to own property certain kinds of business property, and they were starting to get the enough wealth to influence politics in Canada. And the this Sidewinder report, which is top secret, they would not allow it. If you possess this report in Canada, you're breaking the law. I even had it. I I tried to I I shared it with some friends in the U.S. government, and they, I can't, I can't look at this. They're our ally. It's a secret document. But I had a Canadian journalist got it to me 20 years ago. But it's shocking because it's about infiltrating the, the economy. And they had the testimony, uh, the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and the Canadian Intelligence Service had the testimony from some of these people associated with these criminal gangs, you know, these triads, and they had signed treaties with the People's Liberation Army and the Communist Party of China to do this infiltration. And the plan was to use Canada as a, as a way of flanking America and then penetrating America from its Northern border. And the Sidewinder report quite famously in Canada, when it, when it came out, it said, we, with the, the, we have to do take immediate measures or the Chinese will capture our government. It was already too late. Yeah. The report was suppressed. Everything that it recommended was refused to be done. It, still by 1997, the process of of basically the infiltration of Canada was too far gone. And there we have Trudeau. Yeah. As as uh, and who is a basically a Chinese puppet, like our president. Yeah. Right. Yeah. China Joe and yeah. his and his son Hunter. His great his great wonderful intelligent son Hunter with his business deals with Burisma. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing working my ass off on a, uh, on a podcast. How come I'm not just smoking crack and banging underage girls? Apparently, I'd be apparently I'd be an energy well, prodigy. Well, these are the kind of people, if you're infiltrating the United States, it's corruption and crime that's going to get you, if you can get those people into the top seat. Well, that's that's the whole point. Is you, yeah. You, yeah, it, yeah. You don't get you there don't, if you're clean. Yeah. You don't want an honest leader in the United States because he's the one that's going to stand up to you. Yeah, no, you, you want to get the guy with the self-destruct button, which is a yeah. picture of him with whoever at yeah. wherever. 
Yeah, the hair sniffer. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Who who takes showers with his, you know? Yeah. With his daughter or whatever. Yeah, and then you suppress it so long as you keep doing what we say, and if you don't do what we say, yeah. you know, now it coincidentally just comes out all of a sudden, which makes you not to derail the convo, but just as a side thought, makes you start to wondering, like, yes, is well, he holding remember, up on all the deals with all the classified they, documents just right. showing up? Well, you notice those documents show up, but there's no prosecution. So yeah. it's almost like they're reminding him, we control yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's, just it's the surveillance van outside the house just letting you see him. Right. Yeah. It's like, right. we, you know, it's better than overtly threatening someone. People sure. get all prickly when you threaten them directly. It's like, yeah. and, then, and then in Beijing, they go, oh, we're so concerned all this got out. We yeah. want to help you. Can you help us? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it'll be done on a friendly basis, right? You almost think they um, threw. Do you think they almost threw him a bone? Hey, you let the first balloon go over, like good boy, and then we'll throw you a we'll throw you a layup. You can shoot down the second one, so you look like a big strong leader. Sure, of course they. The I mean, Chinese are the Chinese are subtle in strategists. They would do something like that, of course. Um, and so, so going back to Sasha and David Martin, who think it's an American conspiracy to kill everybody and poison our bodily fluids today, you know, <laughs> stealing from Doctor Strangelove here, Jack Ripper, where are you when we need you? Poisoning um, our bodily. F- oh, what, what's right. It, what's um, his assistant's name? The British guy. Yeah, Mandrake. Yeah. Mandrake. Sorry. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, uh, so really you got Xiao Chen's speech. You got Lunev's testimony. And by the way, Xiao Chen says in his speech, we have made a deal with the Russians for land in the North. That is the Russians can have land in the North. We're going to get the lower 48 States. Same thing. Lunev told me. Lunev told me that in 99, um, February of 1999, he told me that. I, I met him in August of 98 for the first time. So I had a number of meetings with him and I, I, I picked his brain. Uh, and the, the thing is, is that um, that when you see in a speech uh, of, a, of a Chinese leader, things that match up with the defector testimony of a guy who worked in Beijing, who was a GRU, Russian military guy, saying, look, there, there's a, this secret agreement between the Russian and Chinese military. They're going after your country in the future. And you, you see signs, you see billboards in Alaska, you probably caught in this last year saying, uh, Alaska is ours. Mm-hmm. You know, they were, they had that on the internet. I think Breitbart put pictures of those signs up on, and it had an article on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is not, this shouldn't be news. In fact, uh, it was um, uh, the, the, the Duma in Russia has passed back t- more than 20 years ago, passed the, the legislation to set up a government in Alaska for when they get it back. Hmm. They've actually gone through all of that, They've actually set up administrative system that they will govern Alaska under. Now, you, they, they do it in plain view. And, and, you know, the American commentators who see this say, oh, they're just crazy. That's, that's um, um, you know, that's Yuganov, the head of, back then, the head of the Communist Party of Russia. And that's, uh, um, you know, the other crazies in the, you know, the nationalist uh, Zhirinovsky, right? Um, Vladimir Zhirinovsky was the guy who kept talking about, we need to take Alaska back all the time. And he was the guy that postured as being very pro-Trump in 2016. Hmm. You know, I'm for Trump. You know, Hillary's going to start World War III. Well, it was very funny. Maybe Hillary, maybe we'd all be dead already. If Hillary had been president, right? Because what was the plan there? 
um, Hillary Clinton with her her deal as the Secretary of State, uh, the Uranium One deal, Selling and the literal building up the up. the Silicon Valley for for Russia. It's like, and then suddenly they all flip all at once. They're anti-Russian. Yeah. After Obama has that that moment where he gets caught on tape telling Medvedev, you know, t- uh, President Medvedev of Russia, you know, more wiggle room. Yeah, tell tell Vladimir, you know, I I just got to get elected one more time. You know, it's like, what are you, you're collaborating with Moscow with the Kremlin, Mr. Obama, you're collaborating, and then he's the big posture. Trump is a Russian puppet, Blame and it's version. coming out of Obama's mouth. It's coming out of Hillary's mouth. It's coming out of John Kerry's mouth. It's coming out of Biden's mouth. All the usual suspects. Trump's gonna start World War Three when mm-hmm. he's trying to stop the endless war economy with Biden standing up for democracy by. I mean, you got to hand it to it's, the brainwashers. You it's a scissor strategy. Yeah, it's a scissor strategy. It's classic. I mean, you can, if sure. you've studied the Russians long enough, it's pretty obvious. It's just trying to explain it. it what's the, the virtue of having a, a, a very intricate, a complex strategy is the average guy can't even see it. Ken Clisby's book, Willing Accomplices, is a good book for anybody listening. I, I love Clint Kis- he, yeah. uh, Kent Clisby's book. I love that book so much. I, I got him on the phone and talked to him for like two hours. I had him on here once. I haven't been able to get him on again. Yeah. It's like two yeah. years he's, ago. He's, he's a brilliant, he's one of our brilliant intelligence people. Yeah. Uh, but he, he really knows on that level how they recruit agents. Yeah. He really understands that business. And uh, if they've been in the country, I mean, well, look, look at who is Biden. Uh, y- you go back, and I've said this on other interviews, uh, Vladimir Bukovsky, the uh, Russian dissident who was in the gulag, was in the uh, psychiatric gulag for a while, got out. He's managed to steal tens of thousands of documents from the Communist Party Soviet Union archive at the end of the Cold War. They didn't know what a portable scanner was <laughs> in those days, so he portably scanned all these documents. One of the documents, and you can go, people can go to the Bukovsky archive now especially I got it on Scribd. I subscribed to Scribd. And there's a document about a Joe Biden, Senator Joe Biden led a delegation to Moscow in 1979 in which he, and it's a, what it is, is the document is a memo from a top uh, official of the uh, Central Committee of the Communist Party Soviet Union telling the Central Committee about a private conversation with Biden. And Biden is telling him in this conversation, look, I have to say, I have to knock you around for human rights, but I don't care about your human rights. Do what you want. It, it's, I just have to say this for the consumption of the people back home. I'm really on your side, right? So this is this, is this document that, that – so Biden, Biden is you know saying, I got to be against you publicly, but I'm really for you in 79 to the Soviet Union. So the fact that he's slow walking all these weapons to Ukraine and he's saying, oh, I'm support Ukraine and Russia is bad for this. You know, a month into the invasion, we hadn't sent anything. Poland and Britain were sending everything. So why were we dragging our feet? And and I don't think, uh, you know, the, the story of the HIMARS. Mm. Um, we said no to the HIMAR request um, until the Poles and the Brits threatened to out us as fake supporters of Ukraine. So it was public embarrassment. See, uh, Biden very much has to maintain his false image. He's very worried. I mean, after all, if you're really for the, if you're really in uh, compromise by your country's enemies, you have to look like you're against them too. 
If if you've taken millions of dollars from the Chinese, you can't look like you're helping their ally, the Russians. Yeah, right. It's, or them. You yeah. have to stand up there and and look. You know, it's like no, who, no. He's a he's a fraud. Who stole? Who ate the cookies? I can't believe it. Who would who would ever eat the cookies before Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so. This analogy of a of a of a look it, it, going back to Colombo and the murder thing and biological war and inverting blame. Chiao Chen says in his speech, you know, if we get caught, you know, killing a hundred to two hundred million Americans with a bioweapon, if we get caught, uh, they will nuke us. They'll nuke us, yeah, and... and we'll lose. You know, he said we'll lose. You know, six hundred and fifty seven hundred million people yeah. in a nuclear war. He said, "Well, we 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 have to take the risk because we're going to collapse. We've we don't, poisoned we're our country. We're going to be hanged as criminals, right? The Communist Party is going to fail. You can see already there's there's the rumbles and 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 you know the speculation is why are they pushing for war now? And I I had a Russian source high up in the Russian scientific establishment who was telling me, a cornered animal, that China when this pandemic started, China was pushing Russia to start World War Three." And the Russians are saying, we're not ready. We're not ready. We can't do it now. Um, and uh, uh, But they eventually got them. They had to do the Ukraine thing to get their ducks all in a row because Russia can't be a power without first taking down Ukraine. So, uh, but what was interesting is the Chinese, and I heard this from other sources. I, I, I had a, 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 a source who had connections in uh, different communist countries in Asia. Let's put it this way. And all of the communist countries in Asia, and we're talking about Cambodia, Vietnam, North Korea, uh, they were being told that the Chinese and Russians were going to go to war against the United States in the coming months, and it would be full-scale war. When was this? This was – I got this information in May of 2020. Gotcha. So that, that war was decided – and the mobilization, you know, you got the Chinese mobilization where they're actually retrofitting the row row ships and retrofitting the ships to carry what has got to be, a, you know, this is enough ships to carry 800,000 troops and 16,000 armored fighting vehicles, right? So this ain't, this ain't no <laughs> Taiwan invasion, right? This is, this is something much, much bigger than Taiwan. And it, it has to be nuclear. Now, what Mr. Wang said to me, what he admitted to me is he said the Russians, his information was, and he's got he's got sources. You know, this is a guy that smuggled this tape out that, by the way, people died. The Chinese had a massive investigation. Two generals were arrested. Two Chinese generals were arrested. I'm sure. After that tape got out. Um, uh, it's fascinating, uh, the transcripts that I've read of it, and and there's, there's more than one translation available. But um, – Basically, what Mr. Wang said is there's 350,000 Russian troops in the Far East hidden, waiting to – and and their submarines, Russian military submarines are using Chinese ports regularly, Chinese military bases. They are – and you may remember that in the summer of 2021, the Russians had a military exercise in the Pacific, which was like an attack on Pearl Harbor type exercise. And they, we found out retrospectively that Chinese were Chinese submarines were actually coordinating in that same exercise with the Russians. So they've got some kind of. And the other thing is that Mr. Wang told me was that the um, the Chinese had already worked out all the codes. You know, like in with Pearl Harbor, it was east wind rain, 
it was a you tuned into a the the carrier admiral naguma would t- tune into a radio station to pick up the weather report and if he heard east wind rain that meant to go ahead and attack pearl harbor uh, well the chinese had already worked out all those code words for all the branches of the service and guess what there's code words for their nuclear rocket forces hmm. which means they intend to use nuclear weapons when they start this attack so and this by the way is something that the defector anatoly galitzin wrote about hmm. that there would be a nuclear pearl harbor nuclear attack along the pearl harbor lines surprise nuclear attack uh he wrote that in a memo to the cia decades ago saying that this is ultimately the whole idea of this deception you know it's not that a that a a naked russian girl pops out of a cake and says surprise happy birthday it's surprise we just nuked you and destroyed your deterrent and now you have to surrender because you're like japan in 1945 we'll just start picking off your cities unless you surrender because you're helpless now how would they do that then like a like a pre-planted bomb instantaneous so you don't even have to worry well, about flight time one of the things colonel lunov talked about was the smuggling of uh nuclear weapons into the us yeah. using the drug trafficking channels and of course the russians and chinese organized remember you go back the you know all the cartels in in mexico that are doing all the violence they're aligned with the kgb and the Mex- and the chinese triads Mexican mafia is completely in bed. One of the things the Russians did in the 50s was the Russians started studying organized crime. And Khrushchev said, you know, we need to get into this because this is going to give us intelligence on uh, on enemy corruption. Uh, organized crime is a great source of political intelligence because politicians are corrupt. They can they end up, uh, you know, making deals with criminals and you can end up controlling them. And he said, we need to infiltrate international organized crime. And he said, we need to form our own crime syndicates and uh, make alliances. The first one to really work with the Russians and the, uh, and if you've heard of the movie, The French Connection was the Corsican Mafia, made an agreement with the KGB in the 60s. The uh, actual uh, operation to take over organized crime and to dominate drug trafficking, uh, they spent five years studying and organizing to do it. They initiated the operation in 1960. It was called Operation Friendship of Nations. That was the official name of the Soviet operation to enter the drug trade and get get their hands on or international organized crime. Now, to show you how effective they were, if you if you go to David Remnick's book Lenin's Tomb, won won what he he won the uh, Pulitzer Prize for that book. So. And and it's about uh, uh, it, it's 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 about uh, this whole thing. He interviews the head of the Italian Parliamentary uh, Committee of Inquiry into the mafia. Uh, he he interview he interviews it, um, and um, I got to turn this off. He's a, it's a journalist, a Brazilian journalist, trying to reach me. Oh, you go. Um, he he he. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. The the um, so uh, Remnick interviews him about organized crime and the mafia and he says he says you got to understand russia is now the capital of international organized crime where all the mafias meet he said the calabrian the neapolitan and the sicilian mafia go to seminars in russia to learn how to do their thing better Hmm. and this is in david remnick's book lenin's tone it's towards the end of the book but you know the devil's in the details and it's it's like in wherever you see organized crime you look at the narcos south america 
uh, coming out of uh, Colombia, Colombian Civil War. Uh, those those are communist uh, organized crime and drug trafficking outfits, and they work with the Cubans, and they work with the Mexican mafia. Even the LA Times have, has admitted that the Mexican mafia is working with the Russian organized crime. So Russian organized crime isn't just organized crime. It is like Chinese triads, Chinese organized crime. It is working with their intelligence services. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? So we are dealing with a, you know, years ago, this is, gosh, almost 30 years ago now. I think it was 30 years ago. I, I managed to get an interview with a drug trafficking gun runner, a, an American, uh, a, uh, Mexican-American guy who worked with the DGI in Mexico. He used to drink with them down there. And he, he said, oh, yeah, they you're going to all wake up. They're going to poison you one day. This is what he told me 30 years ago. They're going to poison you. All you you rich white people in your houses, you're going to wake up. You're going to wake up and you're going to be dying one day. We're going to get you. That's what he told me. In between talking about, you know, we're going to create a world of love and peace. Well, you got to sandwich it in there somehow. <laughs> you got to justify these things, right? I mean, Hitler was going to create the perfect uh, future society for the Germans. Well, listen, so he man, had to you, do all that killing, right? You got you to rule North Korea with an iron fist while simultaneously uh, be ha having murals painted of you smiling and, you know, holding the hands of children in a field of flowers. Right. You got to have that. Right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, these people work hard to do what they do. I mean, I, I remember I met Katie O oh in 2001. She was a leading South Korean scholar on how crazy the North Koreans were. And she was desperately trying to tell people, look, the North Koreans uh, are not rational actors. They believe things that you would think are crazy that you don't understand. She, she was the Western scholar or non-communist scholar who had interviewed the most North Korean officials. And she said, they really do believe these crazy things. You know, so so Kim Il Sung was like a god, and so he. This is the grandfather of the present uh, uh, Kim Jong Un. Kim Kim Jong Un, and and um, and so this guy after the Korean War went around the country having lunch with every family until and having his picture taken. So imagine, of course, he he ruled the country for decades. Imagine day by day going and meeting with every family individually and spending time with everybody having your picture taken with them so they have that picture with you that you're like part of their family yeah imagine if the president we had a president for 30 years and that's what he did i mean no more than 30 years he was president of that country 50s 60s 70s i think he died in the early uh i mean early 90s um so imagine he was a actually able to do that in the in, the, in a country that small. I mean, the, the workload, you cannot imagine it. So he's, it's like, and that's how he melded that regime yeah. together. We can hardly imagine the lengths that they go to. And so it's, it's not, it's not exactly what we imagine. And the propaganda then is so, uh, they don't have access to the internet in North Korea. They don't have... You know, and it's totally militarized and they've got, you know, if they're inoculating their soldiers with smallpox, they're going to dump smallpox, right? That's what it's telling you. Same thing with the Russians and Chinese. So World War III is no joke. And if my sources are right, 
China's pushing for it. China needs it to happen because they're afraid maybe their economy now is starting to hit the rails. They have to go to war and teach the Chinese people to go out before they get hung by a revolution from within. And the Russians are like, well, I guess we have to put the Soviet Union back together and we have to support our, you know, our our brothers. And you've got um, Nicolas Maduro gave a speech a couple of weeks back, three weeks, four weeks ago, a month ago now, in which he said, uh, we need to form a block. He didn't say communist block, but it's a communist block in South America now. We've got all these countries and uh, that are under uh, that are our brothers, and we have to go to our big brothers, and our, our big brothers, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping, who will guide us. Hmm. So, what is and Nicolas Maduro is a communist. He's a Marxist Leninist. His big brother is Vladimir Putin. Putin is not a nationalist. He's not a Christian. He is a he is a KGB officer playing a role. And this is the problem. Anatoly Galitsyn was right in his predictions. It's a long-range strategy. We fell for the trap, and now they're springing the trap on us. And they're they're going for the one clenched fist. They're going to smash us. They want to own the world. That's what this is about. And they don't care if they kill six billion people to do it. That's probably how many people they would kill if they tried to, if they actually carried this out. Yeah, yeah. They don't give a shit about that. Um, no. Nope, you know. I'm going to use the restroom real quick, but because we're going live, uh, I'm going to have you tell everybody where to find you, where to follow you, uh, all that good stuff. Well, let me take it away. Talk about my book. This is The Fool and His Enemy. And you can get this on Amazon. This is a book that kind of explains. Uh, it's the old, my big overview book that kind of explains the whole thing. And you can read it in about three hours. It's got five chapters. And the chapter headings are The Fool Alone with Himself. Who Benefits, The New Religion, The Fool and the Hero, and The Wine Press of the Wrath of God. And it kind of explains this whole process we're in right now. And and the kind of uh, philosophical, I call it Toward a Metaphysics of Evil. It's a philosophical book as well as a political one. And, um, and of course, I don't have gave away all my copies of The Lies We Believe In, which is my more recent book. But I really like The Fool and His Enemy. I really... I really think if you want to get one of my books, get this, but get The Lies We Believe In, too. Uh, it's a bigger book. Um, my website is jrnyquist.blog. That's to get my name spelled right, J-R-N-Y-Q-U-I-S-T.blog. And there you'll see there's there's different pages there where you can see my books and you can find links to things. And all my articles, there's, uh, gosh, there must be, there's probably a couple hundred articles there, including, by the way, a translation of the secret speech of Chiao Chen. It's near the beginning. If you back through all the articles, it's like the second one that I published on that blog. Um, so uh, that my, my first book was uh, Origins of the Fourth World War, which I think it's going for over $120 on a used copy on, uh, on Amazon. So that's what you can do. So I just did a crass commercial break there. There we go. And again, I have, uh, you know, for forever, I was kind of worried about doing live episodes because I was like, I wonder what, you know, I can't stop anyone from saying anything crazy. And then I realized, yeah, but every episode I go for the bathroom break anyway, and I never once check what anybody says, and it's, <laughs> it hasn't worked. So it's 
It's not like that crew. Was it Khrushchev who was like, you know, when I found out about our nuclear capabilities, I didn't sleep for a week, and then I finally realized we could never use them, so I started sleeping again. It's kind of the same thing. I was like, oh wait, I've already been walking on mutual assured destruction for for a thousand episodes, so we're probably good now. Um, yeah. So I just I just told him about my website and the books and stuff, but um, all those but, links will be in the description. But as it's always. it's very important. You know, getting back to here's a scenario to try to make it so people can conceive of it. Imagine a wife wants to kill her husband, and she's of course, Colombo's gonna you're gonna suspect the the spouse is usually very often with murders. It's the spouse that does the murder, right? Because because uh, love and hate go together, and and if a person hates you enough to murder you, they're probably pretty close to you, right? <laughs> Otherwise, if they're if they're not that close to you, they could just forget about you and yeah. write you off but if but if you're living in the same house you can't do that you're sharing the same property so uh usually the number one suspect in a murder is the wife or the husband you know the spouse so imagine a murder she's got to kill the guy but she's got to have an alibi she's got to have the police believe somebody else did it so uh, she has to arrange the fatal meal for her husband so her neighbor has uh made cookies and she knows her husband has maybe flirted with this neighbor lady. And she's made cookies and in front of everybody has given everybody in the neighborhood cookies. So here are the cookies. So what she does is she knows her husband likes these cookies. So she's going to poison her husband by using her neighbor's cookies. She's going to bake her own version of her neighbor's cookies and put the poison in it. And put them in with the cookies that her neighbor baked. Okay. And then she's going to make sure he eats them all, right? Because he's a cookie monster or whatever. So then when the police come to investigate, they go, oh, you poisoned your husband. But then she points out, no, it's in the cookies. And then there's the poison cookies there. And the cookies came from where? The neighbor, oh, was he having an affair with the neighbor lady and she got mad and she poisoned him? So she's created an alibi. So imagine General Chi says, you got to kill 100 to 200 million Americans and collapse American society and wipe it out. But if we get caught, we'll get nuked, right? You, mm -hmm. you kill 100 million Americans, 200 million Americans, the United States is going to nuke you. Yeah. That's just that's just so outrageous, you know. We will fire back. Um, but um, the problem is, so China's got to have an alibi. So who are they going to blame? Fauci, DARPA. The CIA, the Pentagon, the usual suspects, right? People who and that so they get did a, go and make a lot of money, right? All the all the, right. They they were doing it to enrich themselves. Or this is really great. The environmental movement. Remember, Green Cross International, Gorbachev's little outfit. Remember the global warming thing. We need the planet to be down to five hundred thousand people to stop global warming. So we we have to, so so these guys in in Bill Gates and you know it's. Uh, Planned Parenthood with a quarter of sort of like with a Hitler-esque edge to it, right? We're going to eliminate, we're going to vaccinate everybody, eliminate, get the population done. So they got these people saying this stupid thing about we need to have a, uh, 500 million people in the world. And so they make this narrative that the New World Order people are going to kill everybody for the environment, for planet Earth. And of course, there's your credible alibi, right? Yeah. There's your neighbor who has a crush on your husband who's mad and has poisoned the cookies. So you've got this. But of course, you know, if you look at these environmentalists, they're among the most clueless people there are because they've fallen for what is essentially a, 
a Soviet active measure invented in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, because it's just meant to, of course, the climate warmed, the sun got hotter, right? <laughs> the sun the sun was putting out more, more heat. All the planets were warmer. Um, but of course, they don't want you to look at the fine print. So uh so so basically there it's man-made global warming and we got to get rid of people and we got to get rid of uh we have to close oil refineries and we have to start bicycling more well that just cripples the economies of the western countries and is china and russia doing anything aren't they concerned with global warming no no they're putting out more greenhouse gases than ever before uh because it's only meant for it's it's a weapon against us rather transparent you know the thing is strategies like a language once you learn it, you read the newspaper, you go, oh, I get it. You can translate the actions into, all right, this is what they're doing. Yeah. It's pretty easy to tell. It's not conspiracy theory. It's history. Yeah. You know, People say, you believe in a conspiracy theory. Um, the Communist Party, the Communist Movement, Russia, China, Lenin said, I want to create a conspiratorial Communist Party. I want to have a revolution all over the world. It's not a theory. It's a it's history. It's documented. It's provable fact. It's provable fact. It's <laughs> the Communist Party Soviet Union exists, right? Yeah. The Chinese Communist Party exists. They killed a hundred million people in the twentieth century. It's not a theory. <laughs> um, the, the 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 all those hearings that the House secure the Senate Security Committee and the House Un American Activities Committee held in the early fifties and the late forties revealing all these people in our government that were Soviet agents is like, this is like, and then all these people, no, they weren't, it was a red scare. They weren't, no, they were, we know it now. Was, we have, it's been proved every which way from Sunday. We've been infiltrated right. way, way back. We were infiltrated and two, we still are. I think two or three days ago was the 73rd anniversary of McCarthy. Mm, coming out saying, of his, yeah. of his censure in the Senate. Yeah, not him coming out and saying like it's yeah yeah the State Department. Oh, about the State Department. I think his yeah, original well, accusations. The anniversary was a, I, right. I, I just saw like right. a little on this day thingy. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is Joseph McCarthy. Uh, you read there's a book called Blacklisted by History, uh, um, and it it it's it's by uh, uh, Evans. What's his first name? Uh, and and uh, it's a brilliant book, and it really shows that. The people that attacked McCarthy were the ones that were guilty of doing what they accused McCarthy of doing. Yeah. Was this kind of familiar, right? Mm. Um, it's kind of familiar, and so uh, the the problem is what what people. The, one of the main problems people have is that they think communism, you know. But no, nobody. The problem with conservatives and most people is that they don't read. So they don't really know what communism says. Isn't it a good idea that was just done wrong by Stalin? It's like, no, no, it's a pretty crazy idea. And um, people fall into believing it for psychological reasons. Uh, the the uh, philosopher um, uh, Eric Verglund said that uh, it's an expression of alienation. Uh, communism is an ideology calculated to um, win over alienated people. And what is alienation? It's that people feel that life is meaningless. They've sunk into kind of uh, a malaise. And it it's giving them uh, sort of like a new purpose, a new, wait a minute. Uh, you know, you, you think that, uh, you know, there's only matter and you think that, uh, you know, life dies and that's it. Uh, and there's no God and there's no right and wrong. Well, here's the revolution. We can We can become gods and we can make right and wrong and we can bring heaven on earth. 
And now you can join in, right? Now we've given your life meaning because you're alienated. The, the word alienation's got an interesting history. Did you know that psychiatrists used to be called alienists? Really? Back in the 19th century, yeah. And what are they alienated from? God. God hmm. is the ultimate reality. If you're alienated from him, you're technically crazy. Hmm. It's a very interesting concept. It's, it's a spiritually oriented concept. And I think it's very true because the Marxists I knew in graduate school had this alienation. They were severely demoralized as people. They were dispirited uh, and they had this malaise. And, and it's it's rather tragic. They they the, the sin of despair that Kierkegaard wrote about in the sickness unto death was clearly in evidence operating in the lives of the communists that I knew in graduate school. Many of them, not not visibly in all of them. When you get to know them, you drink beers with them, and it come out. Yeah. Um, but it it's a fascinating thing, and and so you, what you have is you have this new religion uh, that emerged out of this alienation. I mean, Joseph Schumpeter, people object. You can't call communism a religion or socialism. You know, communism, the communist movement is mostly consists of non-communists, environmentalists, feminists. You know, now transsexuals, and they don't even realize they're in the communist movement. But it's a it's it's a it's a galaxy of movements, modern movements of alienated people who are ultimately guided and manipulated by a highly organized sect that has perfected political activism to getting power. And, and how we know that they've perfected it is, look at all the countries that have taken over. You know, Nepal became was taken over by the Maoists like a decade ago. Nicaragua, Daniel Otegi is a communist. He took over and, and overthrew the constitution in Nicaragua. You've got, look at Venezuela, look at now Brazil. Lula da Silva is a communist criminal. Um, the Albredar in Mexico, this is this guy has a communist background. Castillo, he's been impeached in Peru. He's a communist. The, the leader, new president in, in Chile, the, the new president in Colombia. Look, they're, they're getting elected everywhere. Look at Africa. I mean, the MPLA, which denies now that it's it's a Marxist-Leninist organization, they they claim the country's a democracy. They haven't lost power in 40 years, in 30 years, right? And SWAPO in Southwest Africa, all these communist organizations, these countries, the Congo, Laurent Kabila had a revolution in the Congo, a communist revolution in 1997. You think the communism ended with the Cold War? They, the dominoes have been falling faster since the end of the Cold War than before. Latin America is basically a the the head of Southern Command, uh, Laura Richardson. She gave a, a talk two weeks ago Thursday. Very interesting thing. Uh, the video I had to watch it more than once. She said the Russians and Chinese are taking over our backyard. They're taking over Latin America. And she said uh, she said that rather point blank. And there's a new block forming down there that's hostile to us. How can this happen when there's no, you know, Fidel Castro is dead, but his brother Raul is still there, Nicolas Maduro. Lula da Silva formed the Sao Paulo Forum with Fidel Castro when the Soviet Union collapsed to create a communist South America. Well, now they're, they're practically there. And what have we done? There's been no pushback from us. Joe Biden wants to make deals with Venezuela now, right? We're, they've got the oil. They've Biden has pushed uh, Saudi Arabia into the arms of China. Um, the, the war has already begun in Eastern Europe. 
What do you think when Putin overwhelms Ukraine, is he going to stop? I don't think so. Maybe he'll take a, a break to refresh his troops, then he'll keep going, right? But once he reaches the NATO border, he can use his nuclear weapons because Putin said, Ukrainians, there are no Ukrainians, they're just Russians. And he so he can't use nuclear weapons on Russians. But once he gets past that, he can use the weapons. And, and so I think that there's been a biological attack. I go to the speech of Chiao Chen, I go to the testimony of Lunev, I think uh, the vaccine, I, I look at this, I, and you interviewed the guy, Dowd's book. Mm-hmm. 40% increase unknown. in cause mortality. Uh, what if the pandemic was just to frighten us into a vaccine and they had infiltrated and bribed you know, you, the, these Pfizer documents that Naomi Wolf talks about? She talks about $350 million worth of sort of bribes or kickbacks going to American officials, National Institutes of Health, uh, CDC, and so on, and for them to go along with China to give the technology to China to make the first Pfizer vaccine factory in Shanghai? Hmm. What about Moderna? You know, the Pfizer thing was supposed to be secret till 1996. Now we know China's involved in making the Pfizer vaccine. So now you've got General Rothschild's nightmare that the Chinese are involved in the vaccine manufacturing process. 2096, not 1996. I'm sorry, 2096. Sorry. There you go. Wrong century. 2096, they were going to keep this secret, this deal with China. You don't, China, you got a Chinese defense minister saying we have to kill 100 to 200 million Americans. What better opportunity than you're going to force a vaccine? On 100 to 200 million Americans, you're going to intimidate them into taking a vaccine. And now you're making the vaccine. You're making the prototype factory. You, you, you've you designed the formula. What is in that vaccine? What's the secret sauce? Are you now, have you given Americans a poison that in the next five to 10 years is going to kill everybody that was vaccinated? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, this guy following the trends as the trends unload. I'm interested in what this guy is going to say in in six months. And and the the real question is, if if we can determine thanks to these Pfizer documents, if we determine that China poisoned us, our population, and the NATO countries. By the way, mostly it's the NATO countries that are given these facts, these mRNA vaccines. If we've determined that we've been poisoned, will we nuke China then? Will there be a nuclear war? And, and if the Chinese see we're contemplating a nuclear war, will China and Russia preemptively nuke us first? COVID. Is that the is that the kind of cul-de-sac history has, has gotten itself into now? Yeah, that's kind of brilliant, right? COVID didn't kill him. It was the vaccine. I didn't kill him. He just ate the cookies. Right. I didn't kill him. I didn't know the cookies were poison, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was a, it was an accident. He was cheating on me. I'm you know I'm in despair. I didn't it had COVID. Yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah, kind of kind of dangerous. Not really. The Americans pumped out the vaccine. It was their greed. It was the greed. The American of the greed killed everybody. It was yeah. the greed of the capitalists. Greed of the yeah. capitalists. Yeah. So, right. Exactly. You got to remember, it's about an alibi. If you're a communist, you're going <sighs> to blame who? The CIA, the capitalists. You Capitalist gotta, greed. You gotta respect I mean, it, man. It's evil, but you gotta respect your enemy. Well, Jeez. it's 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 pretty much pro forma. It's what you would expect if you were going to do a biological attack, yeah. 
And if you know the background that they have been planning a biological attack, they're the countries that have the genocidal, recent genocidal history, and they're the countries that want to dis displace the United States. I mean, it's, look, it's it's motive and opportunity. The motive is America's number one, China and Russia are number two and three. They got to knock off number one to have a crack at being it themselves. <clears throat> and by the way, if the United States sank into the ocean, like Atlantis supposedly did, you know, 9,000 to 12,000 years ago, uh, China and Russia would own everything. Because yeah. none of these other countries could stop their no. nuclear weapons. No. You know, so boys in America, what would happen if you, if this thing that Ed Dowd is talking about of people, if this is just the beginning of the die off, what if six months from now, it's suddenly you're losing. 10,000 people a day and it's accelerating. What is the political fallout? How does the blame game unfold? Do the people on the right and the left with the biggest blow horns start blaming our own institutions and start wanting a revolution or a civil mm -hmm. war where everybody's pointing, you know, you got a bunch of madmen for belt in bell towers with weapons pointing at each other you're to blame you're to blame and there's the chinese and russians going ha, 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 ha. Yeah. they're blaming each other this is perfect see they have to divert blame so the inversion of blame in a biological see the virtue of a biological war is who attacked me i just came down with something that's killing me we're all dying who did it where is the it's 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 like colombo except the problem is, is that you don't have anybody who is set to investigate such things. It's instead, it's very messy because it's worked out in the usual political process, which is what? The completely boneheaded narratives that most people accept. You know, it's the Jews, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the Illuminati. It's the UFO aliens did it, right? And it's the, the secret ones upon the earth that work for the aliens. It's the lizard people. You know, Hillary's really a reptile inside. Right? <laughs> that it, more, yeah. More, yeah. And that is, I think that's a large demographic of my show is the people that email me and they're like, you know, you touch on a lot of th sensitive things. I'm curious why you've never gone into the Jewish question. I'm like, would you fuck off? But. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, right? we that's are, what they do. We're primed yep, that's, for it. No, I get that. I've gotten that for years. I even had on Twitter somebody put my face with, with uh, they, they uh, what was it, Jew traitor or something above my head because I'm not, I'm not anti-Israel, right? I won't, I won't go into the, I, I don't believe in Jewish conspiracy nonsense, and so they just, they just, it was, and on Twitter, and I complained to Twitter. I said. These guys are rabid anti-Semite pro-Hitlerites defaming me and 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 defaming, you know, spreading blood libels about Jews. Don't you have any kind of rules about that? That was in uh, I think that was in 2018. It's like they didn't do anything, but they did when it came to it. They censored a lot of my friends. Hmm. Twitter did. And those guys were still posting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, but I've... but it serves the communist narrative, right, to have the because the anti-Semites Somebody once said this was brilliant. They said um, anti-Semitism is the poorly educated man's Marxism. Okay. For the alienated. Right. 
And it's just instead yeah. of, you know, instead of saying it's capitalism, well, the Jews are rich bankers anyway, right? So it's just a, ethnic, a way of making it ethnic. I've, right? I've never gotten an email from someone asking me about uh, Jewish conspiracies who uh, had their life buttoned up. Mm. You know, I don't. Yeah. You know, I, I think I got a pretty good handle on my life. I pay my bills. I, I watch my diet. I Right. And I love going into conspiracies. They're fun, critical thinking. And a lot of times they're true. But I've without 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 ever missing a beat in the pattern, the people who always want to bring up the Jews are the ones who are living in their own filth and don't mm. know how to f fucking get the newspaper out of their mailbox. Well, there's a there there is this, you know, I I forced myself years ago to read Mein Kampf, and the most difficult thing about it was the virulent anti-Semitism was so it was so hor horrifying, so hideous so distorted that I thought it just made me ill to my stomach. I mean, literally, if, you, if you're if you a normal person and you read Mein Kampf, you're going to feel kind of sick to your stomach. Even not knowing about the Holocaust or anything, it's going to make you sick to your stomach because it's, it's so obsessive. It's so bizarrely obsessive. Well, you start to realize just how much of a fucking loser Hitler was. Like, aside from being evil, you realize just how much of a loser he was. Every problem I have is because of, forget the juice, just put X. I can't well, Hitler, get laid because of X. I can't fit into my right. old pants because of X. My kitchen counter is dirty because of X. I can't get a girl at the bar because right. of, hey, fuckhead. No, the answer is the mirror. Look in the mirror. Right. That's where the yeah. answer is. Hitler, Hitler was a guy who blamed other people for his own mistakes. A complete loser. Yeah. Is what it, and and what's interesting is he got he got into power. He had a sort of genius that got him into power. But look at look at the war. He blames the Luftwaffe. Yeah. Well, yeah, he blames, blames the Jews. Around. He blames the Jews first, but he ends up blaming the Luftwaffe. And at the very the end, blaming the, blaming the, the German people. And then at the end, he blames the German people for being too weak. Yeah, the near. We we, we we got to wipe out the German people now. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah Flood no. the subways. You know, rip up everything so that when I die, they won't be able to carry on living. Yeah, yeah, this is because you were too weak to repel the invaders. Yeah, it was just no one understood it because, or no one n noticed it because it was always focused at the Jews. But you don't realize it's everyone yeah. but him. See, a char character flaw of a person uh, ends up becoming, when, when it's an obsessive person like that, it, it, it can become so large that it swallows up whole countries. When this well, yeah. this person is able to get control of a country and have them worship him like a god, which is what they what he did, he was able to do it. He he had this talent, and it it was unfortunate this this these character flaws. That's why you you have to be very careful who your leaders are. You just have to be very careful. But modernity, by the way, very oddly, you look at the leaders of uh, of World War II. You look at Stalin. There's something not right there, psychologically. You know, you look at uh, FDR, something not quite right about FDR. Um, you know, people talked about Churchill. Churchill drank too much and he was a warmonger. I mean, it's the truth. He was a great leader, but he was a warmonger. So you don't have the you don't have perfect people leading. And, and, and maybe you have some when you get to Hitler and Mussolini and and uh, Mao and Stalin, you've got some extremely uh unwell you could say or off individuals 
And that's what, what, when I look at Joe Biden, when I look at Putin, when I look at Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping has made statues to his heroes, Hitler, Stalin, and Mao are his three heroes. Those are, those are Xi Jinping's heroes. And that, that you would make a, a statue of Hitler. You're the leader of China. It's just, what can I say? So, so your hero are the three big genocide guys of the previous century. Those are your heroes. So when people say the Americans did it, <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a minute, this, this, you know, even Colombo, you know, Colombo doesn't need to be very subtle here to see who all the, all the evidence is pointing over here, over here, over here, you know, instead they're indicting the CIA and DARPA and the Pentagon and it's the Americans scientists did it. And Fauci's just a stooge. It even looks like one. Sorry. No, he that's what Tim Dillon said. He goes, yeah. you know, he goes, everyone would have listened to the to the CDC had it been a an Asian man or a Jewish man. But instead they chose Fauci, a, a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> hey, I'm Fauci. And he goes, what the fuck is this? Yeah, well, so it's, you know, so that's, you know, I've kind of outlined, you know, what I kind of worry about sure. what's going on here. This is what I, I I'm not saying that, this is what's happened is what I suspect may be going on because we have this unusual preparations for war in China and Russia. And it's like going back to the analogy of the poisoning. So the wife has poisoned the husband and they're at dinner and he's got a steak knife in his hand. Right. And so will he realize he's being poisoned, realize I did it and then stab me through the heart while he still has the strength yeah. So what is the wife doing? She's got her own steak knife under or bigger knife under the table and she's waiting. She's nervously watching his every move. She's mobilized because she has to just in case. So that's what China and Russia are doing by mobilizing. That's my theory. But she's also putting a steak on her plate. So if anyone sees her steak knife, she goes, oh, it's just for this. Right. Russia's just looking at Ukraine. It's just about Taiwan. China's just looking at Taiwan. It's just, it's just about some Taiwan. balloons, baby. What are you looking? What are what, you looking at, honey? If you read the secret speech of Chiao Chen, he says oh. we got to make the Americans think that we're going to invade Taiwan. That it's all about Taiwan, but our strategy is all about America, and we have to clean up America so we can make a second China in America. Clean up means kill all the Americans off and move the Chinese there. Now. For a wrap up, the spooky thing, you look at a satellite picture, there's massive numbers of merchant ships hanging up, hanging off the coast of China. How many have been retrofitted? How many could be used? If they nuke us, if we start dying of a plague, if we start dying of the, sh the vaccine, the shot, the clot shot as people call it, are they ready to just come in and move into our stuff and take our stuff? Is that what's going on? And they just don't want to get caught? And they, like the wife who's vigilant, they're just being vigilant to make sure they don't get nuked? I don't know. Uh, it's, you know, as somebody who's watched this for so many years, these thoughts come to me. Yeah. Because, you know, the the there's a there's a kind of logic to strategy. And when you have studied people like the Chinese and the Soviet leaders and the Russian leaders long enough, you kind of know how they think. It's crazy, 
Most people don't even, oh, they don't think that way. Uh, actually, read their books. They do. Yeah. You know, read Sokolovsky's um, uh, Soviet military strategy, and you'll see, uh, yeah, nuclear war. It's the next thing. It doesn't matter how many people die. You're going to have a winner and loser. It's it, it's it's you. You got to understand. It doesn't matter. Look, if you kill if you kill most of the planet off, there'll be still plenty of people to start over. And if you win, you're going to be the one in charge of the start over. Yeah. That's what communists like anyway. They like being in charge. It's a feature. It's not a bug. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and you see, it's only the mentality that has gone for these ideologies, these modern ideologies, that would even think that way. If if you're going for people who believe in traditional values and thinking, that's unimaginable to normal people, to people who think of... Of, of, you know, to someone who, who honors Mother Teresa is not going to be thinking that way. Right? People who have genuine spirituality aren't thinking about mass murdering the planet to create their ideal society, to build it on top of the bones of the billions that have to make way for the new, for the new brave new world. Is there any silver line? Is there any positive way out of this? Well, the most positive thing, and this is what I always tell people, is that the, the thing about communism as a system, including a military system, is the bungle factor. As we saw the Russian army in Ukraine, hmm. they bungle, monument, their monumental bungles are unbelievable. Look at the Chinese economy, how it's running off the rails. Look at, look at, um, look at the Russian invasion of Ukraine. How could they have messed that up so bad? Uh, and, and so it's very possible that when they, in the act of carrying this out, they'll get caught, they'll, they'll collapse themselves and, uh, they'll, their own people will overthrow them when their own people catch wind of what they've done. Um, do not underestimate the good side of human nature. You know, a lot of things are predicated on assuming people are bad. Well, yeah, we know about the bad side of human nature. We have to be realistic. But, you know, on the other hand, there's a good side to human nature. There's the the bad and there's the good. And the good side of human nature often comes out in times of great distress and war. And we all, we are all human beings. And when we see real evil, we think, wait a minute, this dwarfs everything that's ever happened. These people did it, and we can't allow it to stand. And that could be the reaction. We could be saved by the Chinese people or the Russian people who wake up and go, wait a minute, our government is doing what? We have to stop it. It's our responsibility. And then people actually take that. They won't take that responsibility to free themselves, maybe. But when it's maybe the this... There's a change in people's hearts. Um, you can never, you can never tell how people are challenged, how people rise to the occasion. And and in this country, we've got, you know, the, the people of the United States have lived soft lives, comfortable lives, and we've made these terrible compromises. Um, you know, if you've ever spoke to Vladimir Bukov, for for example, it's it's a bitter thing. He said. You know, basically, he told me, I, you know, we knew Gorbachev was was lying and cheating, and it was, it was a trick. The collapse of the Soviet Union was it was a game, and he said, but you you couldn't explain it to any of the conservatives in the West because they'd say, oh, you were just you're just bitter because they tortured you in prison. You don't want to you don't you don't want to be a a graceful winner. It's like no, you don't understand. You're not winning. See, you're 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 not really winning. 
you haven't won anything. And, and so it was something corrupt in us that wanted the peace dividend, that wanted to believe in Gorbachev and wanted to believe that Xi Jinping and, well, Deng Xiaoping was, you know, it's glorious to be rich. And look at the communist Chinese are capitalists now. We're going to get rich together with them. There's going to be a peace dividend. There's a corruption in that, in that economic optimism that we have to come to terms with that I don't think we have. And, and that continues to, you know, if, if life is about the truth and, and telling the truth and living in the truth, then you can't lie to yourself about anything. That's the cutting edge of the corruption that's going to destroy your society. And if you, you go back to the Bible, you go back to the Old Testament, falling away from God, living the lie. This is what brings the chastisements. This is what brings the Babylonian captivities. This is what it causes all the problems for the children of Israel. It's the same for us. We haven't lived right. We haven't done the right things. You know, Bill Gates going to China and becoming partners with mass murderers. This is what our business community has done become partners with people who were Mao's lieutenants who oversaw the Cultural Revolution and basically killed millions of people, caused millions of people to starve to death, and persecuted and killed people. That's our partners? Oh, well, they're different now. Are they? There is some sense, and I don't like saying that we've earned the bad things that are coming to us, but we've, we, uh, I mean, I don't like saying we deserve it, but we have earned it. We've I think we've bad. done the wrong things. Yeah. yeah, we've made our bed. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm still hopeful. Yeah. Even, well, even if, you know, look, based um, on no facts, I'm still hopeful. Um, the thing is, is that uh, this is what faith is. I, I, I believe there's a God and I believe that he's in control. And so um, whatever bad happens, God's going to make something good out of it. And that, by the way, we're all here temporarily anyway. We're all yeah. going to die. Yeah. You know, it's how we use the time we have. And uh, yeah, I mean, life is not fair, but this is, I don't believe that our mortal life is the end. Where your Me soul neither. is eternal. You're an immortal soul. This is one thing you have to pass through. So, and, and so... Make the best out of it. And don't don't join the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't do the wrong thing. Hell yeah. No pun intended. But Mr. Nyquist, yeah. all of your books will be in the description. Your Twitter in the description. Website in the description. That was a great episode. That was brilliant and brilliant because it was 99% you. So that's not a coincidence that when I shut up, the episodes are wonderful. Well, it's 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 good. You're interviewing these other people that are basically have different pieces of this puzzle. And it's one of them, one of these doctors, scientists, generals is going to find the decisive one that's going to convince the country what's really happening and what we need to do. That's my hope. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, but with that, I got to prepare for the next one. And uh I'll text you this. Well, actually, it's live, so it's already up. But I'll text you, and we will uh, schedule the next one. And uh, thank you for your time, man. It's always a blast talking to right. you. Thank you, Tommy. Mr. Take care. Mr. Jeff Nyquist, thank you so much, sir. God bless everybody. Stay safe Recording out there. Recording stopped. Peace.